Welcome to episode 28 of the Borussia Dortmund London Fan Club podcast. And um, I have two guests, special guests today with me. Uh, one is um, uh, Dennis Rentenar, who is currently goalkeeping coach with uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv in the Israel Premier League. But he's uh, well known as a former goalkeeper of Ajax Amsterdam and also Borussia Dortmund, amongst other clubs. Um, thank you so, so much, Dennis, for coming on the show and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ben. Happy yeah, to be uh, here again. Absolutely. And I understand it's pretty hot in Israel today. Yes, it's now, uh, it's around 30 degrees now. So it, not, it, it is not like, uh, like yesterday when it was uh, around 40. So now it's a little bit better. Absolutely. Well, um, nice to have some sunshine and it's quite warm and sunny here today in Norwich. And I should, uh, I should, uh, remember to say, Time flies when you're having fun, and uh, we're certainly having fun because Colin Farmer is also here, who is a former um, um, leading um, consultant with Portsmouth FC during their Premier League time. He was with the club until 2019, until the club was taken over by Michael Eisner, the former uh, Walt Disney chief executive. He's currently um, a director with Portsmouth, with Gosport Borough, I should say, um, and he's a writer and uh, a published author. Uh, he writes with The Guardian as well as with Saturday Comes. Thank you so much for coming on again, Colin. It was great talking to you uh, last year about um, your time with Portsmouth FC. Yeah, no, my, my, my pleasure, Ben. O always a pleasure to be on this podcast. That's wonderful. And the subject we want to talk about today is basically, I guess, something which is in everybody's minds right now, which is, um, oh, I don't even like to say the word, quite honestly, European Super League. Um, I mean, let's let's just say maybe we have a few bones to pick with the issue. And I've got two great um, football people to talk to. And I guess Colin really is perfectly placed to talk about it from the UK position. Um, the UK is obviously... The you know, Premier League is, is well known for its commercial success, but also um, sometimes we fans are a bit at odds with that. And, uh, and Dennis uh, obviously has a great deal of experience uh, in the Netherlands and has, um, and has worked with some top clubs there and will have an opinion about a league which um, the Netherlands have recently uh, given, uh, started plans to uh, merge with the um, Belgian League. And um, indeed, that uh, may be thrown into chaos now, I guess, by this European Super League. I'm not really sure, but I'm sure Dennis has some opinions. So, so guys, first of all, um, do we have too many tournaments? I mean, we've got this UEFA Nations League. We've got this um, uh, European Super League proposal. We've got this uh, conference third tier of European football clubs that they're planning, which, I mean... Colin, honestly, I mean, conference, I mean, have we heard that one before in England? Indeed, I mean, I, mean, I think, I think it, and it, sometimes it makes it difficult to follow exactly what's going on, because I think, you know, you've got all of these different interest groups coming together in order to kind of create, create groups to, to represent those interests. And I, 
I think I think quite often, you know, we 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 end up potentially not not seeing the wood for the trees, as we as we as we say in English in 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 that way. So I I think I think certainly, you know, are there too many tournaments? Possibly, but then on the other hand, something like the European Nations League, I think, has been a good innovation. You know, I think there were too many friendlies around international level that really weren't of a very very high quality. Uh, and certainly not particularly appealing to fans. So I, I think I think you know, football needs to evolve and innovate. And you know I think Perez was on the on on the radio this morning and saying saying how well you know that this is a response to save football and they're looking looking to come up you know to to come up with new ways of make, making football popular to to the younger generation. And, and I think we need to be alive to the fact that we need innovation, but we need to take we need to take the whole game with us. Absolutely. And uh, we're talking about Florentino Perez, the president of Real Madrid. Um, and uh, essentially, they, uh, he is planned to be the chief executive of this European Super League, as far as I'm aware. Um, and essentially, we're looking at um, uh, a league with, uh, I think, 15 teams uh, and including the top six English teams, Arsenal, Tottenham Hotspurs, Manchester United, Liverpool, um, and I noticed that um, as well as uh, AC Milan, Inter Milan, um, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, I noticed that uh, Jurgen Klopp was on the BBC this morning saying that he personally was not consulted, uh, as neither were any of the players and, t- and playing staff. Um, I guess we can expect that, that we fans have also not been consulted, um, although I know that it's certainly something that the um, European Supporters Federation has been looking at for some time. Um, Dennis, um, as somebody who has a lot of experience in, in the Netherlands, which is one of the smaller countries uh, where we could, I think we could argue that clubs like um, Feyenoord and uh, PSV and Ajax are really very much like in Scotland, Celtic and Rangers are just very much bigger clubs in a smaller league, let's say. Um, do, do you yeah. think it makes sense from your perspective, uh, from looking at it from a Dutch perspective, to, to join such a league? Um, I think uh, for uh, maybe like uh, like for Ajax uh, because they, I think they are they are the biggest in the, in, in Holland and um, for uh, yeah all clubs are looking also uh, in Holland like uh, for for money and uh, especially in this pe- period with the with the pandemic and everything uh, yeah they're all looking for money so it, I think it's not about the uh, about the football anymore, but it's more about the money that uh, that they are looking for to be uh, to get better results. But uh, for the teams, but so far, um, like uh, Ajax made a statement with uh, with Van der Sar that they were a bit uh, surprised now that it uh, that it came out now, and also disappointed uh, about these uh, international top teams that they made this uh, decision and yeah. They are seeing it as a as a threat for the for the European football, so they they are a bit uh, disappointed about this. Absolutely, and we're talking about Edwin van der Sar, former Manchester United keeper, who, if I'm not mistaken, is currently sporting director at Ajax Amsterdam. Yes. Yeah, and um, Dennis, uh, do you believe that the um, the uh, merger between Belgian league and uh, Dutch league is likely to go ahead in light of this potential European Super League? I mean, essentially, guys, I guess the question I'd like to ask is, um, is this league doomed to failure or will money talk ultimately? Dennis, your, your opinion? Um, 
Yeah, it depends on 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 what happens. If you if you get a league only with this uh, twelve till till and and three teams, fifteen teams, they want they want to they want to do it with twenty. But you know, there are already a lot of games on TV. Maybe that's the problem that that there are too much. Uh, yeah, that there's too much already, and people. Uh, of course, you're looking try to get people to look at uh, at football, but maybe it's uh, it's overloaded already, and Absolutely. that's why people right. are not are not looking uh, at the games anymore. Absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, um, certainly um, myself as somebody obviously who represents uh, Borussia Dortmund supporters in London, but also who's followed the Bundesliga for a long time, um, I'm uh, quite uncomfortable with the amount of. Uh, clubs and we'll come to Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich's position on this because they've taken a united uh, front um, some, somewhat surprisingly in the Bundesliga um, and um, Dennis uh, briefly about this merger Colin were you aware that there's a merger plan between the Belgian and Dutch leagues yeah no I, I, I had heard about that and I, I think I think it kind of yeah to a certain extent I think from a competitive point of view it, it makes it makes quite a lot of, a lot of sense I think you know what Rangers and Celtic are clearly a couple of clubs that have been trying to yeah, on and off to join to join the English football pyramid for for some time for for the for the same reason but I think potentially with 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 Holland Holland and Belgium maybe there's a, a more a more Straightforward accommodation that could that could be found there, but 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 I, I think you know it, all of this always comes back to as well though that that there are, there are some clubs that are going to benefit from that, and there are some clubs that are not. And if you if you're if you're the if you're the eight or nine teams in in, in the Belgian and uh, and Dutch first divisions that suddenly you're going to find yourself relegated to a second tier, you know that that that's that, that that's where you know enlightened self interest kind of like kicks in. And 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 you might find that these that these kind of right yeah schemes end up being doomed for that for that reason. And I mean likewise, I mean it's interesting you're talking about Bayern Munich and uh, and Dortmund taking taking United position. The fact that Ajax knew 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 nothing about this. And and I think I think you know if if this if this European Super League is 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 going to get off the ground, but it hasn't got the likes of Bayern Munich potentially Dortmund and and. I- Ajax and Paris Saint-Germain and and the rest of them. Well, you kind of think, well, what what on what on earth are Tottenham Hotspur doing in there? You know, Tottenham Hotspur last won the championship in 1961, which is before I was born, which is a hell of a long time ago. And you think, well, how have Tottenham suddenly got themselves a seat at this top table? It, it, you know, I, I think I think there are some there are some fundamental public relations issues with this European Super League. Project. Project that might well mean that, that that it ends up dying a death, however much however much capital they've got put behind it, because in the end, a European Super League with Tottenham as a member for twenty four three years in perpetuity, virtually just it just seems ridiculous for, on, on, on any level, and that's nothing against Tottenham, which is a club I'm quite fond of, but but you you just think you know th- this project, if you wanted to put in there something which showed that this is purely about kind of like you know, Money and it's purely about you know t- t- Tottenham's eyes must have lit up when they were invited, but it's only because they built a fantastic new stadium. That's the only reason they're there. Absolutely right, and that's probably one of the most expensive stadiums ever built after Wembley Stadium, and quite a fine stadium it is. Although I have to say, I always enjoyed going to the old White Hart Lane, particularly in the last couple of years when Borussia Dortmund uh, 
won their Champions League ties there, but um, we had less luck at Wembley. Um, uh, was it last season? I think. Huh? So, um, well, yeah, we to, to get in to to get into Tottenham like that. Um, yeah. Why they why they are there? I think they are there because they have a good relationship with uh, with Real Madrid, and and uh, if if they have the don't have that connection, I think they wouldn't be there. But uh, and also it's it's uh, um, the owner of Tottenham. Uh, what's his name uh, again? I don't know anymore. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Levy. But ultimately, it's Joe Lewis who owns Enic, the company based in Bahamas, another offshore. Yes. Yeah. So, so, but they are there also. I think in 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 America with the with an office or something. So, and everything is coming now more more or less. It's coming with the American. Absolutely right. Who's going, who's who are investing in this? And um, so, I think that's their connection also. But. Uh, yeah, I think also it's a bit strange that you have six teams from the from the Premier League, and then three from Spain and three from Italy, and further you have nothing. So what is then the the European added? Because you're not uh, England is not European anymore. But I think I think it's it, it, it's a good it's a good point, Dennis. In, in in that regard, you know, to have to have six six teams from 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 the Premier League involved in this in this competition, you know, it, it, it is frankly ridiculous. You know, because the bottom line is is that you're not you're not creating a European Super League. You know, you you are you are no. creating effectively a Super League a Super League or of you know the top three or four divisions in Europe now. Now, yes. you know, I, th- I, th- I think the thing is, it, it's, it's probably romantic to think that we could potentially go back to a time where, where, where you have the likes of Ajax winning the European Cup three, three times in a row in the 1970s, and Nottingham Forest winning it two, you know, twice in a row in the in the late 1970s and early 1980s. But, yeah. but, but, but nevertheless, you know, the, I, I think I think the uh, the pendulum has swung far too far too far the other way now. That that that, that there are some there are some clubs here who, who are you know, Manchester. Manchester City, even for that for that sake, you know, as, as as an English football fan, you know, Manchester City were have long been, you know, Captain Chaos Club for, for years and years and years, and now suddenly after after ten years of of of, of um of money money from from a uh, from you know, Arab money in that sense, now it's suddenly become you know a a a, a world brand in football, but 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 you know somehow it's just a historical accident that they happen to be here at this particular time and. And, you know, I, I, I made the point the other day on my Twitter feed where I kind of said, you know, in 1950, Portsmouth had been champions of England twice, twice in a row. They were the first club to, to, to do that after the Second World War. They were arguably the best club, club in, in, in Europe at that time. Well, if we'd have set up a European Super League then, well, Portsmouth would have been in it. But, 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 you know, historical accident, you know, doesn't, doesn't give these clubs, I think, the right, the right to, to, to suddenly cut, cut, cut the ground from underneath. Everyone else, and, and personally, my view is is that I'm quite happy for these clubs to go away and do this. But you know, really, in football, we have a fork in the road here, and they can either choose to go off and, and, and move away and become independent from the, the FIFA, UEFA, National FA pyramid, and create the, the. Absolutely right. It is exactly that a business league with no relegation, no promotion. Um, and exactly what are they playing for? I mean, ultimately, what's the ultimate title? I mean, what, what are these guys playing for, guys? 
Yeah, that's what I say. I think uh, well, for the well, money. I, I, Maybe I, the players, I, I, the players, the players, they want to win. They want to win. You know, if they if they on the on the on the pitch, they want to win. Uh, they want to win something, and uh, of course they can win a cup with it. Uh, but yeah, it's different than uh, I think winning the Champions League with uh, much more uh, uh, teams, and also uh, every year you have. Uh, Maybe a surprise till the till the semi-final for, for from a team, and that's also uh, making making football. You know that some teams can surprise uh, in a year. Maybe not bring it to the to the final, but in the Champions League. Yeah, the figure I've read is that each club is going to get about three hundred and fifty million. Is, um, does that tie up with the figures you guys have heard? It's a big big prize pot basically, just for taking part. By the way. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I mean, I think that yeah, there are astro- astronomical kind of like you know, some sums that are being talked about here. But but you know, th- this is this is this yeah. If you if if you were one of the clubs, you can see what what why why you're potentially attracted to this because because in terms in terms of their business model, you know, what, what one of the things that, that 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 they don't like is that is the jeopardy that you you know each year while you're not likely to be relegated from your from your national top division, you know, you are. There's a significant chance that you you might not make the top the top four or top three in your division in order in order to get into the Champions League where where, where currently currently they they make their money um, and I think I think you know, the bottom line is for me you can't have a hybrid system where you have you have you have an American system running against you know, the traditional pyramid competitive system that that, that, that we that we tend to have it. Have in Europe, I think. I think you, you know, as a club, you need to choose one or the other. And, and if they want to choose to go down that that route, good luck to them, right? But but, but don't think don't think you're going to be coming back into your national national league with being you know, being welcomed with open arms for that because you know they they've immediately got a competitive advantage with all that money that you you kind of talk about. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's a business league, essentially. Um, I remember pretty well uh, from, from earlier years watching the Harlem Globetrotters go around the world doing exhibition matches. Uh, a lot of people were interested in watching these great basketball players. Um, but basically, that's exactly what it was. It was just an exhibition team just moving around playing exhibition matches. And that's pretty much what this smacks of. Let's just have a look at how it might impact the National League. So, I mean, um, essentially, uh, it would appear to me that you're basically tearing the be- best teams out of the champions, out of the, um, out of the National Leagues across Europe. Um, it, of course, you know, it won't be long before, um, the champions of, of the main, if this goes ahead, the champions of the main leagues like, um, including Holland and, and, and Germany and so on and France that, that haven't been um, invited so far will join. And what kind of impact will that have on the national pyramids, basically? Um, it essentially, it degrades the national pyramids. Essentially, it means that um, those national those, those clubs are essentially not taking part, as far as I can tell, anymore in the national championship. And as you say, they're not playing for the Champions League or Europa League places. Um, it also, in my opinion, will impact, therefore, the um, finances in the game, which have been slowly trickling down, somewhat more effectively in Germany, slightly less effectively in England, but still over the years, um, particularly with the introduction of the football academies in England, uh, which I think was about 10 years ago or so, um, compulsory academies, 
is meaning essentially that it's growing the English game and, and improving the game. And I'm obviously looking at this myself as, as a fan and saying, you know, a lot of the time I'm watching uh, teams which basically uh, don't have any English players in them, English teams, Premier League teams, um, and playing in Europe, playing in England. I can very, very well remember back in the day when uh, we only had three foreigners were allowed in each team. And it just doesn't seem to make sense for me anymore. You essentially put together teams of legionaries which have no no roots in the communities that they represent. The, the football clubs are owned by um, corporations which are offshore or in other countries which have no roots to the communities which they represent. A league which is completely devoid of any contact or connection with the national leagues or the national football pyramids. Um, it would seem to undermine the game across the board, including the National Cup, the League Cups, and, and any other Cups. I don't know what you, you guys feel about it. I mean, yeah. I got that wrong? I think, I think I'll, I'll push back a little bit. Now time for a short announcement. If you love Borussia Dortmund, why not join us for a live game and have a couple of Dortmund Union beers at the Stamtich meetup of the official Borussia Dortmund fan club in London? We meet on match days at the Fitzroy Wine Cellar on Cleveland Street. For more details, head to our Facebook page or give us a call on 07459-394-121. And now, back to the show. On that, on that Ben, in that regard, because I, I think, you know, you've got to understand that, the, the, you know, the, certainly the, the British football football model, if you go back to the, the, uh, the formation of the English League back in, back in 18, 1888, the, the, this was set up as small privately owned businesses from day one and, and and that kind of like you know mercenary element to it has always been there and I remember when my, my club Portsmouth was founded in, in 1898 you know these business people they 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 got together the capital to build a stadium but also what they did is they went off and they hired the best manager at the time and they 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 brought in a load of players from all over all over England and Scotland all coming down to Portsmouth to set up set up this football club to get going so I think I think yeah, when we when we talk about when we talk about can't you know, football clubs, yes, they have been rooted in their communities, but also they've always been mercenary. They've always been kind of like you know, businesses in, in in that way. So I think I think what we're seeing here is the logical kind of like you know end game, I suppose, in this where where where, where eventually these businesses they want to spin out of the you know, the the the, you know, the 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 orbit of their of their national associations in that regard, because in the end that that that, that best protects capitalist business model that they've got so I, I, I think I think in that regard you know I think football has always been like that and this is maybe the logical conclusion of it but I think I think also in terms of domestic leagues I would also see this as an opportunity right because suddenly what you would create is, is actually a Premier League where you wouldn't actually know who was going to win it every year and and that kind of like adding in that jeopardy I think might actually you might find that you 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 you, you create a differently attractive product you've only got to look at the set success of kind of like you know the the championship for example is a fantastic division with big clubs playing to big crowds you know i think it's the fourth biggest fourth biggest championship in europe so so you know let's look at this as an opportunity and if these clubs want to go their own way crack on guys but i think i think football is a robust enough product that we could we could we could we could make it work so, so certainly certainly in england well, that's perfect journalism, isn't it? I mean, we have two totally contrasting opinions, and I can see that from your perspective, um, 
Um, I know that certainly um, in Holland, perhaps community uh, football is kind of more anchored in, in um, football is more anchored in the community as well. Um, Dennis, um, do you see any perils for national leagues of such a European Super League? Um, yes, I don't know exactly what they because I always also was reading that they want to play in the in the in the national league, um, the teams. But yeah, like like in England, what you what you uh, mentioned that uh, yeah, I think there are more owners, you know, than than in than in Holland uh, of the teams. So in Holland you have more uh, like uh, how do you say it, like a board, and uh, they are arranging everything for the for the club. Um, so it's it's. Kind of different situation, and also, of course, you see in Holland also a lot of uh, foreign players, but still uh, now, especially now, when uh, because uh, the money is less, they are looking at their own uh, academies also, and and uh, they are looking for young players uh, from other teams or uh, or like from teams from PSV or Feyenoord or Ajax or Asset who are not playing in the in in their uh, squad. That they can uh, put them on loan in uh, in lower teams or in the or in the Eredivisie or in the Kampioendivisie. Yeah, interesting perspective, and uh, certainly I wasn't aware that um, the um, the European Super League teams are proposing to also play in their national leagues. So essentially, um, are you saying that um, it's essentially a challenge to the Europa League and the Champions League more than anything else? Is that why UEFA are up in arms and are planning to ban the players who take part from playing in their national leagues? Yeah, I, I, yes. I think this is, this is a bit of an existential yeah. step to, to UEFA, isn't it? Right, right. But looking looking at this from a broader perspective, I would like to hear, Dennis, um, as I said before, um, and Colin raised this earlier, um, uh, Celtic and Rangers essentially um, have grown, have, have, have kind of grown out of, of the SPL to some degree. I mean, Celtic has won the last nine titles in a in a row, apart from this year where Rangers came back under Steven Gerrard, but also. Um, Teams like uh, Anderlecht have won five of the last ten years, uh, the title in in, in Belgium, uh, and also Ajax have been very dominant in the in the Nas- uh, national league Eredivisie in in Holland and so on. Um, could this be beneficial uh, for for clubs like that, which basically not only are not having the chance to really compete day in day out um, uh, at the highest level, um, which obviously undermines their game, just simply those big clubs that I mentioned, like Celtic, Rangers, Ajax, Anderlecht, um, Club Rouge, maybe Benfica, Sporting, uh, who are essentially much bigger clubs than their national leagues. Could it be beneficial for those clubs? Do you think? I mean, Dennis, as a representative of Dutch football, uh, what would you think about that? I think uh, money-wise, it could be. I think they 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 to win uh, the league in Holland um, uh, to be the best and to stay uh, the best. It's it's more difficult, and uh, I think they have yeah. They have to work to work on that, uh, but if they go for for the big money and they play over there, of course they will compete with uh, with better teams. But at the end they they won't win it, or it's so they only will get get money uh, get money of it, and uh, the gap between uh, the teams in Holland will be uh, much bigger, 
and I think uh, maybe the, the players get a less of interest to play uh, in the league. Yeah. So essentially, but also I want I want to see also you know because we have also the the youth league and everything. What happens with the with the teams you know with the, who are doing this now the twelve teams? What happens with with their youth teams with the youth, for the for the youth league? What will we ever do with this? You know, also a thing for for the for the youth players. Uh, yeah, because if they if they will will not allow them to play or uh, in in this youth league, then for these youth players, what what happens with them? Yeah, and I should point out that Dennis uh, is um, a, a goalkeeping coach at Maccabi Tel Aviv in the Israeli Premier League, and I guess uh, Dennis, you have quite a lot of contact with the um, young players, the young goalkeepers in the youth setup at Maccabi. Am I right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Also, yeah. So your concern is also for the UEFA Youth League, which is a very good product. Um, I, I attended the match between Borussia Dortmund and Derby County uh, last season. I was writing for Wurnachrichten about that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Derby County had a fantastic youth uh, set-up, um, English champions in 2018. And, um, yeah, the club has certainly, um, like many other clubs, has suffered very much in the financial crisis. And I guess we can't really underestimate the losses that clubs have suffered in the COVID era. Um, Borussia Dortmund uh, indeed have got debts uh, currently of about 70 million euros um, due to um, not having fans in the grounds. And also it's done not hasn't done much for Borussia Dortmund's morale um, as a club, basically, this current season. Although one could argue that they've done very well under Edin Terzic to be knocking on the door of a Champions League place and in the semi-final of the DFB Pokal. I had to mention Borussia Dortmund, obviously, as it's Borussia Dortmund show. Just talking briefly about Borussia Dortmund, um, so their opinion, which essentially, which um, Akivatska uh, has kind of mirrored the opinion of Bayern Munich, where they've basically said that um, they regard this uh, business league, as Colin perfectly put it, this uh, uh, European Super League as essentially uh, a threat to the national systems, uh, national football pyramids, and they basically at this time uh, are not considering um, joining these leagues. Um, Colin, is it just a matter of time before big clubs like um, Bayern, even our Borussia Dortmund, but also PSG, Ajax and so on, the big clubs across Europe, perhaps Steaua Bucharest and uh, Red Star Belgrade and, you know, the top clubs across the leagues, Celtic, etc.? Um, is it just? I'm actually very surprised to see that Celtic and Rangers haven't been invited. I don't know what, you, what your opinion is. Well, I, I think in that regard, you know, it, it it's suddenly, it's suddenly you've got a 16-team European league that has got got eight clubs from 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 effectively the United Kingdom. Well, yeah, the world has gone mad, hasn't it? It's not a European Super League at all. It's a British Isles Super League almost, with a few invited <laughs> clubs in on it. And I think, I think, exactly. you know, ultimately, I, I think, you know, some of those clubs you mentioned, you know, to a certain extent. They, they, they are seen as second division by these clubs, you know, by, by the clubs who, who are at the forefront of setting up the European Super League. The, the, you know, the clubs at the moment that are, that are driving this, I think in the end they'll, they'll look at the likes of Star Bucharest, they'll look at the likes of Ajax even and Feyenoord and Celtic and Rangers and, and not quite see them in, 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 the same, in the same kind of like league as them, for want of a better word, which is why they're per- Permanently, hermetically sealing themselves into it for the next 23 years, and and, and I, th- I think uh, you know, the, you know, the bottom line. This is all about those clubs. They are over leveraged with debt. 
and they're looking to create a business model which actually secures their revenues effectively in perpetuity and de-risk their, 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 their highly risky businesses at the moment. And you know, the, the, the bottom line is, it, you know, it stinks. You know, I, I, I think, I think, I think if we if we don't make a stand now in football, then then, then we might as well give up because in the end we might as well hand over the power to all these clubs and 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 kind of like you know, let them get on with it. I think football needs to make us stand over this because if it if it doesn't, I think I think you know the other way madness lies. Yeah, um, essentially what you're saying is about deleveraging, taking the risk out of the game, and I mean giants like Barcelona are reported to be in the debt level of around about one billion. Um, obviously, clubs like Manchester United and so on have long been carrying huge debts on their balance sheets, which is just the Glazers' business model when they took over the club. And um, clubs like FC Manchester, uh, FC United of Manchester were started up as a protest by the fans. Um, Dennis, do you think that fans should be more vocal in expressing their opposition to this? I mean, which is essentially tearing out the top clubs from the main leagues. I mean, we've seen protests in the last few days at um, Leeds United uh, against Liverpool match, um, you know, where the fans said basically, uh, you know, on the back of the Leeds United players' T-shirts, it said, earn it. Absolutely right. Earn it. Earn the right to play in Europe. Don't just simply expect... I've always believed that it's, you know, it's a fantastic model, basically, that uh, incentive of every season working so hard to reach the European places. It's a system which we've all got used to, which motivates the clubs and the fans alike and, and brings really exciting games. I mean, if there's no kind of challenge involved and there's no, you know, you're automatically part of the European competition, what excitement is there, basically? And also, what incentive is there to manage your clubs efficiently? Yeah, I think. Yes, I, think for, I, I think when I uh, when I speak for 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 Holland, I think it's uh, it's difficult to come there. So when you when you reach it, yeah, the more fun you have of it, and uh, especially also for the for the fans, uh, I think football is still a, a game that's played for uh, yeah for the people and for the fans. Uh, and in my opinion. I, in, in my opinion, and um, but I think also in in, in Holland, uh, yeah, they will they will see it like you have to fight for something, and also the fans for for other teams uh, will will um, yeah they will act or they will will react on this like uh, like fans in England will do. And I think it's interesting, Ben, as well, isn't it? The, the, the by what I can work out, this model, it isn't even like the American model, because at least with the American model, what you have is you, the way in which you create the competitiveness is that is at the end of each season, the team that has done worst gets the first pick of the new, of the new players coming in. So in order to create that kind of like you know, jeopardy, if you, you know, for want of a better word, you do it by kind of like you know, mixing up the re- recruitment pool. Whereas, whereas, by what I can work out, you won't even have an element such as that. So, in, in effect, this will kind of become a very much a hermetically sealed group of effectively whatever it is the you know, the initial the initial twelve clubs, whoever are the founding members of it. They they will create create this thing that I genuinely think will become very very dull because in the end it will become it will become predictable like the domestic leagues are predictable and, and there will be certain clubs within that, that group 
that will rise to the top and they'll always be the ones winning it and then there'll be the makeweights in the middle and then there'll be the ones that, that, that are kind of like invited every year and then get booted out again. The fact that you could if, effectively win this league and then not playing it the next year is just, is just frankly, it, it's, an, it's an anti-competition, isn't it? Absolutely right, Colin. So you basically you can see some commercial advantages from the um, from the business league, as you said, the uh, European Super League proposal um, for the clubs, uh, basically in terms of de-risking and also um, having a guaranteed income and so on. But um, you're also saying that um, Dennis, that the um, uh, from a fan's perspective, it, it creates kind of a, a vacuum, a kind of a, a league which uh, has no bearing on the rest of the football pyramid. And which is uncompetitive and so on, and that football should be played for the um, for the fans. And certainly, Borussia Dortmund is a very uh, fan-centric kind of football club, where uh, essentially in Germany there's the 50 plus one model, where the members, including myself, have a say and a vote on big issues to do with the club. Um, obviously, as you pointed out, Colin, the issues in England are slightly different because the football clubs are owned by private owners, much like in America. Um, and as I said, from a fan perspective, um, a lot of the clubs are having less and less bearing on, um, on basically the local communities because essentially they're neither owned by nor do they have, let's say, local matadors, young players like who Steve Bull perhaps was at Wolverhampton, who were one club legends who played for the club, but also Marco Royce at Borussia Dortmund um, and people like that who've grown up in the club and have been around a long time and we can really relate to. And I feel, as a fan, I feel that the European Super League or the Business League, as you said, Colin, um, is something which I completely can't relate to. Uh, and I feel that it's extremely damaging for the national football pyramids. For me, it imperils the national leagues, the national cups, uh, like the FA Cup and the uh, DFB Pokal. And I can only really see an advantage for um, big clubs in small leagues like Celtic, Rangers, um, Ajax, uh, PSV, uh, Anderlecht, uh, Brugge, Benfica and so on, who are just simply far too big for their uh, leagues and have been dominating their leagues massively. I can see that for them, they've been looking for an answer for a long time. Um, Atlantic leagues have been talked about, about merging Scandinavian, Irish and Scottish league in the past. Then obviously this proposal of the Bene League, uh, of merging Belgium and Holland. Um, but essentially, um, it, as you said, Colin, it doesn't make any sense to essentially have a, a, a dominant group of English clubs um, in, in this and then not really have representatives across Europe. It'll certainly be interesting to see what happens in the next few weeks, whether UEFA uh, can succeed with their ban on the um, players taking part um, in, the, in the national team uh, and also uh, whether they can see, succeed in banning these clubs. Uh, also, various national governments, including UK government, have been making noises about how it's anti-competitive and monopolistic and so on, although I have a little bit less faith. Uh, just a final word, guys. Um, it seems we're kind of in agreement that this isn't the best uh, innovation and it's more of a corporate takeover of the best teams in Europe and really only makes sense for those clubs like Barcelona, perhaps that are so vastly in debt now that they have to sell their soul to the highest bidder, uh, even if it means imperiling the, uh, the, the national leagues that they've been part of for more than 100 years. Um, a final word from you guys. Um, uh, European Super League, uh, good thing or bad thing for Europe? You can start, Colin. I think, I think, yeah, go on. I, I think, I think, I think, you know, as 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 it is, 
as it is uh, envisaged, I, th- I think it, it, it is a very bad thing. I think I think you know. L- let's try and accentuate the positive though in that in that regard. It, if 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 it ends up driving a bit more of a conversation about how we can make football more more, more sustainable going forward, because in the end the levels of debt that we're talking about are part of the issue here and that that goes down right through the football pyramid in in that regard if this can perhaps start a conversation about how we can make football more more sustainable and maybe look at how the wealth is is more equitably shared in football because in the end that, that that's the fundamental problem you know big clubs taking all the money Effectively, it destabilizes the whole pyramid. And if, if we if we can have a sensible conversation about that, then we might be getting somewhere. But I'm not going to hold my breath. Dennis, your view? I think it's also yeah a bad uh, bad to do with. And um, yeah, what do I see? I, I agree uh, most of the things with 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 Colin, but I also want to see what the what the UEFA really can do about this, because I think also the the big teams uh, who are doing this, they they will have their lawyers also, uh, and they will prepare also things about uh, what uh, UEFA wants to do, and and uh, they do it on forehand. I don't know how you say it. So they they, they think about it before uh, that the UEFA also is going to do uh, making steps against them. So they will think about that also, but. Um, yeah, I hope it will uh, it will it, it will not go through, and that they will think about uh, where they already spoke about to to another uh, new thing of the Champions League. Yeah, I concur with you both, and I think that um, certainly from a supporter's perspective, uh, as a fan club president, um, and also from the Borussia Dortmund, um, you know watcher's uh, perspective that I am essentially, I, I believe that Borussia Dortmund has no place in something like this although quite honestly um, B4B want to be uh, in the top 20 or 15 of European clubs at any time should be there by way of um, the support that the club has and also how well the club is managed. But what particularly concerns me finally is that um, well-managed, financially well-managed leagues like the Bundesliga that have uh, long been rewarded for for, uh, basically balancing their books, um, clubs like Borussia Dortmund, running at a profit, which is almost unheard of in, in, in European football, will basically lose all their advantages um, and, uh, you know, essentially we could have people just, you know, it's just ludicrous, really. I think the whole thing is ludicrous. But um, I think, well, you know, interesting times. And um, it was obvious that um, a crisis was not going to be wasted by the venture capitalists. And, uh, you know, we, we live in interesting times. Let's see what happens. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been controversial. It's interesting. And we've had re- very different points of view. Um, just a final word um, before you give your social media, if anybody wants to contact you. Uh, will the European Super League go ahead, yes or no? Uh, Colin, you start. Yeah, it, 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 it's a no from me. Dennis? No. Yeah, well, I'm going to sit on the fence here because uh, I just can't see what's going on, <laughs> frankly. I'm, as a fan, I'm totally confused. Guys, uh, where can the fans reach? You, you, can, you, you, yeah, you can get me on, on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Colin Farmery, all one word. And Dennis? Where... <laughs> Simple as that. Look for Dennis Kenton out on Facebook and you'll see some great photos. I'm a friend of Dennis, so I know he's posting some really cool stuff there. 
So, okay, guys. Doch der wahre Grund, dass man diese Stadt